News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Evershed Sutherland, Ireland's largest and most established global law firm, with full service teams for your legal and tax solutions. And I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair this week, Brian Donaldson. He's the CEO of the Maxall Group. Brian, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you very much indeed, Bobby. Now, Brian, I want to bring you back to uh, your earlier years in County Down. You're, you're a farming stock, is that correct? That's right. My mum came from a farm in Cumber. They were horrible farmers. And uh, I can remember spending many, many years there picking potatoes and planting vegetables and looking after the cattle and the sheep. And uh, it was a nice time because you were outside, fresh air and uh, lots of activities. Good man. And you, um, I think you represented a group of farmers uh, in your earlier media days. Is that right? Yeah. You used to look after the, the PR for a, a farmers group. Was that a kind of a, a kind of a, a radical farming movement where you were, you, were, you were fighting for the causes of the farming world? Uh, yeah, it's so many years ago now, but um, I can remember joining the Young Farmers Club in Newton Arts, and um, I was the only one who didn't actually work on a farm at home because my dad was still a businessman, and uh, we lived in 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 the town of Newton Arts, but all of my friends were farmers, and um, they always thought I was better at speaking and dealing with the media and looking <laughs> and looking after this. All of that side of it. When it came to machinery and and doing the real hard work, they didn't they didn't really rate me. <laughs> Everybody has their play to your strengths, isn't that what they say? So Absolutely. it was off to uh, Bradford University in Yorkshire. You got a business degree. You became a, a, a graduate employee in Maxall, and you've been there ever since. Yeah, I'm a bit of a lifer. Um, I was very fortunate, I have to say. I came back from Yorkshire. In I think it was around about July, August 1986, as far back as that. And it was my dad who said to me, look, McMullins are looking for a couple of graduate trainees. Why don't you apply? And I said, Dad, well, look, I have a job offer to go and work for Vauxhall Motors over in Luton, or I'm going to go and try to finish uh, my accountancy exams to be a chartered accountant. And would you believe I applied and um, I got shortlisted. And I was very fortunate to get one of two graduate trainee positions way back in 1986, a long time ago. What's that, 38 years ago? Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's been an interesting career. And maybe just tell us a little bit about the, the Maxall Group, Brian, because it's a very interesting uh, history, number one, but it also has a very interesting shareholding. It is. It's, it's, it's completely privately owned by the McMullen family. Uh, it's now fourth generation. Uh, we only trade in the island of Ireland. Uh, the business will be 104 on the 17th of May 2024. So we actually had our centenary, our 100 years celebration uh, during COVID in 2020. Um, and I've only ever worked for the McMullins, who I find very honourable people, very hardworking. Uh, third generation, Max and Noel are still there, uh, come to the office every day, uh, love getting involved in the detail. And their sons, Thomas uh, and Barry, are now fourth generation. And, uh, you know, they're taking a lot of control and a lot of direction in terms of where the business is going, uh, you know, in, into the future. So very much a hands-on, family-run business, very honorable people, very humble, very modest, very hardworking and very good to their staff. Yeah. Uh, and when we look at the scale of that business now, you know, 250 trading service stations across the island of Ireland, 120 yes. of which are 
company owned and then you've got uh, independent dealers uh, who operate on uh, there's 130 of those operating under the Maxwell brand so it's 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 a significant employer north and south of the border do you find Brian doing diff- business on both sides of the border is it very different or has it changed much you know uh, given your your 30 year, 8 years experience yes it's changed significantly um, you know, basically way back when I joined in 1986, really the management team in the north of Ireland never really engaged with the management team in, in Dublin or in the south of Ireland. And, um, you know, the former CEO, Tom Noonan, was probably inspirational and forward thinking in integrating uh, you know, the company into a single management structure way back in the early 90s, even even before the peace process. So, you know, it's one of the things in the business, uh, you know, working for the McMullins, they're very visionary, you know, in terms of looking at what needs to happen. Uh, whenever I joined in 1986, it was all about gallons of fuel. Uh, we didn't really focus on the shop business. Yes, we would have focused on lubricants. We would have focused in those days in supplying into the industrial sector and the commercial sector, and we would have sold home heating oil and so forth. Uh, but the markets were very different. Northern Ireland was very different to the Republic of Ireland. But today, you know, Ireland, whether that's south or north, is seen as a global leader in terms of roadside retail. Uh, just because uh, people have traveled all over the world, they've taken the best concepts brought them back and actually personalized them and people come to Ireland from as far as America, China, South Africa and right across Europe to look at what we're doing um, because we are leaders, we're innovators and I suppose the reason why we have to innovate is our population is reasonably small in proportion to so many other countries around the world. Um, so we have to do things better. We have to look at new ways of generating income and how we diversify and how we specialize into new areas. So the business is dramatically different. Um, you know, as a board, we look at our coffee business. You know, we look at our food service business. We look at our grocery business. We look at how we can innovate to make sure that we are delivering what our growing number of customers want today yeah. uh, within our service stations. But one of the things that's always sat with me, Bobby, we're only as good as the people that we work with, and we're only as good as the people that we employ and how we support. And that's a value that comes right down from the McMillan family for as long as I've worked for them for 38 years. Um, even our centenary book, which we published in 2020, it was all about the people in each of the decades uh, and what they contributed to the success of the business. So, yeah. you know, that's a little bit of background no, to us, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's very, very interesting. But if we look at the changing face of the forecourt retailer, again, I, I, I was lucky enough to work in that space over a number of years. And when we look at the next, like there's been huge change and you're, you're absolutely right to promote Ireland as best in class in forecourt retailing because I think it's up there with the best of them on, on, on the experience that I've seen. But if we look at the next wave, Brian, and that yes. is getting ready for the EV. Firstly, I, and I know you've, you've had some uh, announcements around that, but tell me your vision of the forecourt in, in maybe in 20 years' time. What are you thinking now it'll look like? How will it be different from the yes. forecourt of 2024? 
Yeah, look, that's a great question. And it's a question our board have put to me on many occasions, <laughs> really, over the last 33 to five years. Look, what we've been doing as a family business is really trying to reposition to reduce our dependency on the amount of income that we generate from fuel. And that'll be no surprise, you know, because even if there wasn't going to be electrification, with engine efficiency and as cars get better on performance, fuel volumes would ultimately decline anyway. So what we have to look at is where we invest today to replace that income, which eventually will drop from fuels. So we are a business that provides a service, provides a range of products. What we've been investing in the last 10 years, and as a family business, it's, it's quite significant, 225 million euros on the island of Ireland, and another 100 million euros planned up until to, uh, 2027. And what we see in the future is our locations are very different to a lot of our competitors. We have invested in freehold properties where there are communities, households, even communities in terms of light industrial parks where people come to work. So we're always going to be a customer base for us to serve. That's why we've been developing our convenience offer, our breakfast offer, our lunchtime offer, our take-home for evening meal offers. That's why we're investing in off-licenses. That's why we're investing in our own proprietary brand of coffee, Rosa Coffee, which today we sell close to 4 million cups of coffee. And the objective is to sell more. That's why we continue to invest in our car wash business. Whether you have a, an electric car or a hydrogen fuel car, you'll still need to get it washed. But one thing that we haven't, uh, haven't changed our view on is the level of standards and the level of investment that consumers demand today. Consumers want to go into brightly lit, well-maintained and where they're recognized, and that's where their business is appreciated. Yeah. And we, and we work with some of the best independent retailers right across our company-owned estate and those that we're lucky enough to supply within the independent dealer sector. Um, and that's what makes the difference, Bobby. It's, it's, it's that relationship, and that's what we've always had. And our offer will continue to adapt to meet the needs of what our customers want. Yes, we're going to provide electrification. It's not going to be everywhere. It's going to be in the right location where we think – those customers will want that service. Okay, well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is electrification, and we hear every day about range anxiety, about, and you talk about it being consumer-led. You know, I can speak personally as someone who drives an electric car. The consumer wants a better infrastructure of charging, but I've heard you say publicly that delivering that is hugely frustrating, and I want to just ask you about the frustrations around that, because clearly it's 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 a service that people want now and will want even more in the next decade. So what are the challenges there and how do we sort them out? Yeah, the great question. We're just opening two EV hubs, one in Newbridge, one in Ballycoolin. These are hubs which have canopies and there's six separate 200 kilowatt chargers. These are best in class. They'll charge your, your battery within 15 minutes. So it's about speed of service. That's what the customer wants, but they also want them in the right location. The challenges that we face in this are planning, planning delays. The amount of power that you need for the EV hubs that we're developing are about one meg. That's a 1,000 kilowatts. A typical service station today, Bobby, a big one without an EV hub, uses about 165 kVA. So almost nine times more power just for your EV hub 
Right. Getting getting those cables to the right location is expensive and also takes a long lead time. The kind of uh, EV hubs that we are developing, they have modular substations. Those substations alone cost 200,000 euros. Massive cost. But also the lead time to get them from when you place your order can take up to 12 months. And is there, the only, first... is there only one supplier in this, that, that being ESB Networks? Is that, it, uh, yeah. Do they control everything here? They do. Now, to be fair to ESB Networks, we work very closely with them and they're doing their best. But when you're rolling out a network infrastructure, it takes time, it takes planning, and it takes significant investment. And, and that challenge is not unique to ESB. It's the same in Northern Ireland. It's the same in GB. It's the same in Europe. It's the same in any country where electrification is starting to be okay. rolled out. So, so Ireland is no different, north or south. And I don't want to be unfair to ESB. The people in there work very well with us. And, and I think they see the opportunities too. And, okay. cert- and certainly one of the things that we always do as a business, we try to be pragmatic and we try to be open in terms of, of telling people for us to open a hub at best, it takes two years from planning to actually getting it open. And those are the kind of lead times. And the other challenge there in terms of the move to electrification just isn't the infrastructure. In January this year, electric cars dropped from being 19% of new car sales to 13%. And infrastructure is part of it, but the large part of it is all of the uncertainty around the new technology and particularly the cost of an EV versus a petrol car or a diesel car, or a plug-in hybrid. Okay, well, we'll have to talk about that another day, Brian. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for letting us into your world of the Maxall Group and every success with what you're doing in the future. Thank you very much indeed, Bobby. Always a pleasure to talk to you too. News Talks Executive Chair. Thanks to Evershed Sutherland, Ireland's largest and most established global law firm, with full-service teams for your legal and tax solutions.